0: Hello everyone, welcome back again to another episode of the You Like That Podcast. You're joined with me, my name is Adam, I am your host, and today we're looking at a movie that I I never really paid much attention to in its like um, marketing and trailers and such. And it just came at the last minute. I was like, is that a will that be a good movie? Watch the trailer? You know what? Let's give it a crack. Why? Because Nicolas Cage and Pedro Pascal. This week's episode. We're going to be reviewing The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Rolls off the tongue, that one there. So that is our main review for today. Uh, but to start us off, we're going to get back into the news. Uh, just a couple a couple good pieces to take uh, from, from through the last couple of weeks and such. And touch on that, get into our review, finish off with the questions, and there's some doozy questions, as you guys just hammer me with. So let's get into it. All right. Jumping off the bat, it is... Uh, Director's mayhem. They are just dropping out of um, productions like flies right now. So starting us off, Justin Lin has stepped down from Fast X or Fast 10 or Fast Too Many. Why does it matter anymore? He's not going to be directing anymore. He has apparently dropped out due to creative differences. Now... I don't know what creative differences you can have with a fast movie that's ten movies deep. Now, surely you just have an idea and they go, "Yeah, all right, that's that's different." Eh, who cares? It's it definitely can't be the the reason. That's the uh, that's the budget reason for anyone leaving a, a movie set is creative differences, and that's just uh, that's just a mask of what else has happened. So my my money will go on something happened with Vin Diesel because it wouldn't be the first time Vin Diesel's caused some uproar on a set. Um, it, it is a rumour as, as well that Vin Diesel was a part of Justin Lin's leaving of the movie. Um, his on-set antics, uh, just his overall personality. He just doesn't seem like the type of guy that you want to direct in a feature film. And like Vin Diesel's been around... Th- 25, 30 years. He's made some great movies. I just feel like he's just that guy. Outside of it all, where you go, I don't really want to talk to you, bro. Not for me. Uh, So, he has left. Uh, Replacing Justin Lin is going to be uh, Louis Leteria, uh, who directed The Incredible Hulk. I I mean, realistically, in the Fast and Furious franchise now, you just let anyone direct it. Give him some fast cars and $200 million. You're going to get a shit movie. That rakes in a lot of money, and ultimately, no one gives a shit about it anymore. So good on your Fast and Furious, keep it going. Uh, next on the agenda of who has uh, who else has left? Um, uh, did I not put it down here? Oh no, I did. I did. Sorry, I just can't read right now. John Watts, uh, the amazing director who did the uh, the last three Spider Man films, uh, killed it with No Way Home. He was signed on to direct the upcoming Fantastic Four reboot for the MCU. However, he has now stepped down. Not creative differences. He's actually taken a personal uh, step-away hiatus from the superhero movie franchises uh, and just have a complete break from movies in general at the moment. You can't blame the guy. He pumped out Spider-Man No Way Home. And look what that movie did. In COVID times, it raked $1.8 billion dollars. No movie has done that in the last three years. He did it. He's allowed to take a break for as long as he wants. He can take a break. So he's going to be stepping away. Uh, they're still in the midst of trying to find a replacement director for the movie, which I'm sure, being, D, uh, being Disney, Marvel, someone's going to come in and helm this movie, and it's, it's going to be hopefully better than the other ones that we got. But we'll have to wait and see. Next, the news that we've been waiting for for 10 years plus Avatar 2. The planned sequel, among five others, uh, <laughs> from the 2006 Avatar movie, the you know the groundbreaking, earth-shattering uh, step into the advanced advancements of 3D technology. Uh, this long we've waited for a sequel, we're finally getting it. It has been given a title and a release date, so it's going to be titled Avatar 2: Way of the Water. Sure, cool. No one cares. Uh, it's going to release December 16, 2022, for now. It's the first release date. And that far into December, I can see it being pushed. But maybe they want a Christmas one. Maybe they want to bank it before Christmas and get that Christmas dollars. Christmas holidays. Uh, they did it for Spider-Man. Look what Spider-Man did. Avatar, obviously, people hung on to that first one for dear life. and absolutely adored it. It made a lot of money. It, it just came out of the gates running so people will be definitely expecting this sequel to do something good and the way that they're going on about it with having the third fourth and fifth one already ready to go as well it's exciting times to see what this is going to bring about so avatar 2 way of the water and last but not least one that came a, a, a little bit ago not too long ago but in between my little break there uh thor love and thunder we finally got a teaser trailer for the upcoming thor movie um in one that we've been anticipating since it has a release date set for the next two, three months. It's not far away, and this is the first we're seeing of this movie. Uh, So it is a teaser trailer. It's only about a minute and a half long, uh, but it shows us a fair bit. um, uh, Not enough to get into the story, but more or less a a vibe check, I guess you could say. Uh, So Thor basically saying he wants to step away from that superhero life, wants to find out who he truly is. He's a god. He wants to move away from saving the worlds and just... But who does Thor need to be? Thor might need be might need to be the person to uh, protect and uh, you know carry a whole community, much like we see King Valkyrie doing with New Asgard. We do see here in the trailer as well. Uh, still overlooking that that civil uh, that community, uh, we see the Guardians come through as well. Still with Thor after they left at the end of Endgame, um, we see him. He's back. He's toned. He's ripped. No longer fat. Worked himself back up. Uh, we see a lot of color in this film. So again, it's it's another very colorful film, just being absolutely ridiculously crazy, and it's, it's showing that it's 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 going to be another great Thor adventure, uh, and the um the sort of story that they're trying to lead to uh, is that it seems like a bunch of gods are being murdered off. Uh, Some very big gods, large gods um, who unbeknownst to Thor and that at the time in this trailer, and maybe some other people who aren't following along in where this story's going and what we've seen on set, behind the scenes and that that's leaked out so far. Uh, But it's going to be Gore, the God Butcher, played by Christian Bale. Uh, So he's going to be the main villain in this to take on Thor, which... I'm guessing they're going to drop in a, in, a, in a proper full extensive trailer, come closer to the release date. Uh, but other than that, you know, we've got our first look at Natalie Portman as the mighty Thor, Lady Thor, whatever you want to call her. She looks sick. It's going to be great to have her back in this. Hopefully she's just as good as we remember of being uh, in the first movie and such. Uh, but Thor, Love and Thunder, it's not far away. So let's hope we get some more soon. Okay, jumping in to the main review of the week. This week, we're here to talk about The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. I know, it's... Again, I say, <laughs> rolls off the tongue, that one. It's a huge title. And as if it wouldn't be for a Nick Cage movie like this. Uh, so, this was directed by Tom Gormican. This has a runtime of 107 minutes, a budget of $30 million, uh, only raked in $16 million in the box office. It has been a small release movie. Um, it hasn't been, you know, massively marketed and, you know... Uh, put out there for every country to have screened out. Um, limited run. It's it's not something that's out here to make money, more or less, basically, which is like most Nick Cage films in the last couple of years anyway. Uh, but this is uh, this has a Rotten Tomatoes score, a perfect score of 87% and 87%. Critics, audience, we're all on board. We know what we're about this movie. Uh, so this is starring Nicolas Cage as Nick Cage, a f- fictionalized version of himself. Uh, Pedro Pascal as Javi Gutierrez. Sharon Horgan as Olivia Henson. Tiffany Haddish as Vivian. Ike Barinholtz as Martin. Uh, Neil Patrick Harris appears as Fink. Uh, and Paco Leone as Lucas Gutierrez. So, let's... Let me tell you about the film. Let me give you my brief little um, plot line. So you have an idea about what we're talking about this movie. I'm trying to... I'm I'm, I'm going to try to start to do these reviews a bit differently, so... I feel like I always just double back around myself and say how good it is or how bad it is, but I don't give a lot of context between you know, what, what a review should be. So I'm going to try my best in this one, and if you want to let me know how I go, let me know how I go. If it's better than the old ones, yes. If it's not, no, just let me know. Okay, so the unbearable way to Massive talent follows the story of a washed-up actor, Nick Cage, divorced, in debt, and trying to find the perfect role. After many unsuccessful attempts to secure a role, he is offered a million dollars to appear at a private function in Spain for a wealthy drug lord, Javi Gutierrez. Unbeknownst to him, he is a massive Nick Cage superfan. After being intercepted by the CIA, Nick must spy on Javi and get information on where a hostage is being held. Nick must decide whether to turn against his newfound best friend or risk losing the ones he loves. So, (sighs) straight off the bat, this movie is amazing. It's... It's just crazy to say a Nick Cage movie that's a comedy, it's almost a meme on his life with this weird super fan story with a mix of like CIA stealth spy missions, drug cartel, Nicolas Cage being Nicolas Cage. It works. It really works. And I don't, I don't understand how. And, you know, the main thing is his... His relationship and chemistry with Pedro Pascal in this movie ah, Chef's Kiss. It's so unbelievably perfect. Uh it's it's the duo that you just like, I want to see over and over again. It's it shouldn't work and I don't know if it only works because of this movie. I don't it might not be able to work anywhere else outside of the realms of this movie. But I'd like to see it again, you know? So Pedro's character, uh, he's only the face of this huge Spanish drug cartel. Uh, his cousin Lucas is the one that actually runs it all, but obviously he doesn't want to put his face there, so he's not the target and not the one everyone's sort of looking at. So Pedro Pascal is more or less just this down-to-earth Nicolas Cage super fan with a lot of money, and he's, he's just a child at heart. He, he just loves Nicolas Cage, and all he wants to do is write his own movie that Nick Cage can star in henceforth why he's paying a million dollars to get Nicholas Cage over here for a private function so they can ask him will you be in my movie so the the pacing of this movie I think is perfectly well executed. This is a short movie; it's just under that hour and a half runtime. Uh, it's very digestible. There's no convoluted plot that has you thinking and scratching your head, wondering why this and that and the other. Uh, it's very well blended together. Uh, bear in mind the first 25 minutes are a little bit slow and sluggish of a start because uh, you're sort of diving into Nick Cage's world of, you know, uh, showcasing his. How well, how down in the gutter he is trying to find movie roles, uh, losing his relationship with his daughter and his ex-wife, uh, showing how self-centered he is about his own work still, more or less trying to dive into the Nick Cage meme of things like in the real world, uh, but obviously in this fictional world uh, he's taking a different approach to it. Um, Nick Cage did also go out to say that this movie is not a you know a, a literal take on his outside of movies life. This is an act. He is acting as a fictional Nicolas Cage, but he's still Nick Cage. Put that one together. But once you get past that 25 minutes and that learning about, you know, where he's at family life and how down he is and how desperate he is um, to to get something secured, you know, he's, he's revealed to be severely in debt from after his divorce, moving into this sort of like luxury hotel place. He owes like $800,000, does not have much money left. And really his only job left is this one that his agent has found for him, which is this $1 million private function uh, for a guy in Spain. And it's once he gets on that plane to Spain and says he's going to retire from uh, acting after this event, that's when the movie takes off. Once you get the introduction to Pedro Pascal, and also even before that, the, the setup with how the CIA intercept uh, Nick Cage in this, obviously they the other main backstory to this is that the, the, the current president of, of, of Majorca, uh his daughter has been kidnapped and for, for the cartel to reelect a new president who is more cartel friendly. You know he's, he's more happy to take that under the desk buck and you know turn a blind eye where he has to. Uh, so the CIA believe that it is Harvey who has kidnapped her and is keeping her hidden on the lot. But as we go through, we realize that Lucas is the one that runs the whole cartel. He's kidnapped her. Harvey has no idea about it because he's just the face. He doesn't get into any of the business dealings. He takes the money and looks good doing it. And that's why he acts the way he does in this film. Uh, so the the introduction, you know, you've got uh, Tiffany Haddish and Ike Barinholtz who... Two great actors. I You've seen him in a lot of comedy movies before. If you look him up, you'll know exactly who I'm talking about. He's brilliant. Tiffany's brilliant as being just these two CIA agents who are not fully on the books, like, correct, uh, but they're just so loud and rambunctious and just... They just go for it. They go, fuck it. Let's, let's go for Cage, see what happens, because they're looking for an informant on the inside. They're thinking someone big is coming over. And then they see Nick Cage, and they go, "What the fuck is he doing here?" Fuck it, let's get him anyway. And that's when it all kicks off. Uh, you know, he gets informed about what he, what the CIA want him to do, and everything as such. Uh, and their introduction is really subtle. It's really neat. It's not not a lot to take in because uh, you get that very quickly there, and then you get the big meeting with Pedro Pascal, and that's where their relationship takes off. Nick Cage is just thinking he's just some. Some wealthy guy that's just doesn't know much. Then reveals he's a massive, massive Nick Cage super fan. Uh, He's taking him on rides and that. He's showing him all these different things because he wants him to act. He wants him to be part of his movie. And the way Pedro Pascal looks at Nick Cage with such desire, like like a kid who's just gone to the local mall and has seen a puffy Pikachu guy in a suit walking around and he meets him it's just oh my god he's so cute the way he looks at him because it's like you see someone in public and you want to ask him for a photo but you're so scared or anything like that you're just so nervous like you're meeting a girl or a boy for the first time you're just so nervous you don't know what to do and he just keeps flowing through it. and he's just like he's slowly projecting how much he actually loves Nick up until the point where he shows him his Nick Cage man cave which is full of old props from his movies. He's got a statue made of him with golden guns, to which Nick Cage sees and goes, how much did you pay for this monstrosity? Pedro says, six grand. <laughs> Nick, staring at us goes, I'll give you 20 grand for it. Yeah, not for sale. This, it's subtle little comedy, and it's so good. But they share so many great moments together, where it is, I, I was I was over myself laughing. It just I could not control it. The fact that that was all coming out of Pedro's mouth and Nick Cage's mouth and what they were doing together, ah, uh, it's just it's I can't believe I say it. But there's a there's a there's a a scene. They're talking about writing this movie together. Um, Nick says he won't star in it, but he's gonna he's gonna write it with him. And they go on a drive this through through the town of Mallorca, and. They take LSD while they do it. Drug trip, it's always a fun scenario in a movie. And this takes it to another level. They're they're, they're tripping out. They see two guys sitting on a bench who, when they look at him, they look at each other and then they think they're being spied on. And then they just freak out. They think they're being chased through the streets. A A whole scene encapsulates itself. And it's just absolute pure comedy gold where you just have to laugh at it for its stupidity, but for just how great they both work together at doing that scene. It is just unparamount, and I'm so, like... I'm still shocked about how much I laughed in this film. Alright, and then further along into the film, so we're getting all this comedy. We're getting this growing relationship between Nick Cage and Harvey. Uh, they're coming very, very close to each other, realizing that they should be best friends. They like so much of the same stuff. Um, it's just such a, Harvey is such a nice guy to Nick, very accommodating. They have this great scene together where they're talking about their favorite movies and Harvey's talking about his and he's like, all right, come on. What's your, what's your third favorite movie? And Harvey just looks at him and just goes, Paddington two. And then Nick Cage just loses and goes, what the fuck do you mean, Paddington 2? Cut to them watching it. He's in tears crying. He's like, Paddington two, Paddington 2 is amazing. It's another great scene where they just keep growing closer and closer together. But at the same time, Nick is being fed from the CIA information and missions that he needs to do to infiltrate Harvey's compound to locate this missing girl. Uh, so this is now moving over back to the... Uh, I guess more the spy side of this movie uh, where... Uh, the, hey, Nick Cage isn't a spy, but let's just see what he can do, completely fucks up his first mission. And then after that says, you know what, I could do this spy shit, even though he almost died. Yeah, I could do it again. And they say, well, do it again. No, I'm not doing it again. It keeps flowing like this, and it's, it's very small and subtle as they throw it in uh, until the third act rolls around where Nick Cage uh, is with his family, he's flown his family in because he wants to build their relationship back up together. The CIA think that it's a, a dog move. He's brought them here as like collateral damage and shit. Really, that was his cousin Lucas's sort of plan was, all right, Nick Cage, we know is working for the CIA. You need to kill him. And then the CIA tell Nick, you need to kill Javi because it's the only way we think this is going to end well. So they're at a crossroads. They take each other out to the cliffs. They think they're going to shoot each other. They just realize that they're not who they think they are. They are best friends. They can't kill each other. They're perfect together. But Lucas knew this as well. So he sent his own goons out there. And then it's a it's a cool little action sequence to follow. Um, and then we get into the third act. There's a stake for, for Nick Cage. His daughter's now been kidnapped as well. And is also being used as damage here for real now. So now he really has to step up and be this action hero that he's portrayed in all these movies. And... Show it to his family that he's that he's gonna do it for them is, is is the main thing here. Rebuild that relationship, bring it all back together with the help of Javi. Uh, and this third act it's a very it's a very simple act. It's not it's not long. It's not uh, over the top. It's not stupid. It doesn't go into the realms of impossible. Like it's not like Nick Cage is turning into this full on John Wick action hero. I think he sh- shoots one person maybe. <laughs> Uh, if, if that. Um, and then, yeah, you know, I, dr- I drive out. Uh, I, a getaway drive happens in that. Uh, full car chase ensues. Once that all third act, you know, completes itself where <laughs> they come to a final showdown. Uh, they've gone into the American embassy here. Lucas has taken Nick Cage and then he's holding him. And you think something's about to happen. And then the film changes. The people in this have changed actors. And you go, what's just happened here? The film has now turned into the film that Nick Cage and Happy were going to be writing together. They've made it. Nick Cage has starred in it. It's been screening in Hollywood now. And everyone is up in applause. Nick Cage has found the perfect role. He's rebuilt his relationship with his family, his daughter and his ex-wife. Everything is all happy. We're all good. It's a great resolution to the film. It's, again, it's short, it's sweet, it's straight to the point. It's just, it's unbelievable comedy gold. It's like, I came out of this watching this movie and I went, I want to go watch it again so bad. That's how great it was. So the the whole drive of this film is, is more or less comedy. It's the relationship between Pedro Pascal and Nick Cage as their characters. Um, with your background stories, Forming around there uh, and eventually getting off onto those tangents so it doesn't uh, cut in and out where it doesn't need to be. I think it all comes in really perfectly and it just it, it makes for a beautiful showing and just shows again why Nick Cage is just the, the strangest actor in Hollywood. Because who could have pulled this off? Nick Cage could. So that is the unbearable weight of massive talent. This is a great movie. I highly recommend it. Uh, I, strangely enough, you will probably enjoy it as well. Go see it out in theaters. Uh, it'll probably be out on uh, on digital very soon uh, due to its limited run. But as soon as you have a chance to see it, please just watch it. So with that, let's go finish off with a couple questions. All right. Question time. Let's wrap up, let's wrap up this episode nice and easy. Uh, questions. If you guys ever have any. Go over to the Instagram links are in the description below. Just send me a message or wait until the post goes up. We can just send me any questions that you need to. I don't care what it is. You can literally ask me anything in the world and I will answer it on this show. So send them in for me. So let's start off with my fiance Brooke. Uh, what's my favorite Nick Cage movie? It is this. This is now my favorite Nick Cage movie. I haven't seen a lot of Nick Cage movies, but this this is my favorite without a doubt. Uh, if you had to be a Disney character, who would you be? just a Disney character I like to go stupid and just be like the random one-off stupid animals so I'll be hey hey for Moana. 100% uh, if you if uh, if all Disney princesses were overage uh who would you fuck uh, let's go remember that they're of age we're not not making this weird or right? I gonna make sure that they've grown up they're more an adult now who is it gonna be? Who's going to grow up to be a respectable young woman? Joe, I might just go Elsa. I think she's of age anyway. Let's go Elsa. Uh, If you had to choose between one for the rest of your life, uh, Siggies or Korean food? Korean food it is. Uh, God, we've just been on an absolute binge of Korean food right now. Just the Korean barbecues, ramens, everything. We just, anything in the Asian culture, we've been absolutely dying for. So that needs to stay in my life more than anything in the world. alrighty Lachlan uh, Bring Me The Horizon or Bullet For My Valentine back in the day you know I, I will personally go with Bullet For My Valentine they were my my more top band growing up in those early eras uh, The Poison Scream and Fire two of the best albums in the medical genre uh, I liked them a lot more than Bring Me The Horizon Bring Me The Horizon were, my, were, were top tier as well for me Uh, But I think in terms of what I listen to more, Bullet for My Valentine would definitely be the choice for that one there. Uh, Jess, what film star would you invite to your compound if you were a wealthy drug lord? Ooh. After watching this, maybe Nick Cage. (laughs) Nah, um, I'd probably... I'd want to bring over... I really like Pedro Pascal, so I'd probably want to hang out with Pedro Pascal. I think he'd be a really cool guy to hang out with, Really? Uh, Jack, what other actor, uh, actors would you like to see perform a version of themselves? Ooh, 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 whose life is kind of fucked up that might work in that scenario? Um, you maybe do Jim Carrey because that'd be sort of interesting to see what his sort of like in like normal normal life sort of would have been. Could be an interesting one there. I'd probably go with Jim Carrey. Uh, what is the best buddy cop team up movie of all time? This. Uh, no, I um, I think I have to go to the classic with Rush Hour. Uh, Jackie Chan, Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker that was, that was the OG classic, wasn't it? Too good. Uh, with Boba Fett being critically not loved, debatable. Uh, what do you think the future of Star Wars should be? Uh, I think it depends who you ask about Boba Fett. Um, I think it, it... Boba Fett did great. The only issue people had was that it wasn't based enough about Boba Fett. It was still a great series and it still did a lot and set up a lot for the future of Star Wars. Um, it just... It it was more of a stepping stone to bring in the next season of The Mandalorian as well. Um, but I think the the future of Star Wars is looking brighter and brighter every day with uh, with Kenobi coming out um, with what we're hearing from that, it's going to be Ewan McGregor's best performance as Obi-Wan. Uh, with the Ahsoka series coming out, that's going to be another great step into the future as well, into you know more characters being unexplored and getting some more light. Uh, and whatever movies come out with some really, really good directors, like if Taika Waititi is still doing his one, I'm very excited to see what that pans out to be. So, look, realistically, it just needs to start to be outside of the realm of a saga, we need more solo stuff and just bring about a whole universe and then maybe link it up again in a new story. Something like that I think would be good. Uh, I expect a 40-minute review of my penis. Uh, guys, If you if you've been around long enough, there was a running joke that Jack would eventually show me his penis. I can happily say it finally happened. And honestly, I'd need more than 40 minutes to do a review of that thing because my word. Talk to me about it in person, and then I'll let you guys know. Uh, what do you hate about social media, and what do you like about it? Um, I hate how wrong people are. I hate how it's utilized uh, with the younger generation at the moment. Um, I hate how easy it is for people to uh, bully and abuse people with no consequences. Uh, it seems like there needs to be some sort of law around social media and what people can get away with saying because it is just straight up harassment. But if it's online, no one seems to give a fuck about it. Uh, But what I like about it, easy access to titties. It's about right, isn't it? Uh, Hottest man and hottest woman over the age of 60. I think I want to go with Helen Mirren as one. I'm pretty sure she's over 60. Surely she's over 60 because she's doing really good for herself. So I'm going to go with her, even if she's not. Uh, Male over 60... Uh, I will go with, um, let's go with Ian McKellen. Sir Ian McKellen. Dapper young man. Always love a good bit of Ian McKellen. Um, now finish off with Alyssa, uh, dream podcast guest. Uh, I think Lee L still holds as someone I'd really like to just talk about, uh, and talk with would be great. um, Post Malone seems like a great guy just to talk with in general. Even if it wasn't guests, just talking to him would be absolutely incredible. Uh, if you could get a clone robot, would you get a, your body with Brooke's brain and personality or Brooke's body and your brain personality? Uh, I'd get a clone of Brooks' body. Like regardless of things like me, it's, an, it's another Brook. with, I have options to choose from, you know, easy. Uh, how many mini donuts would I have to buy to let me wax your bunghole? Honestly, for me, like one box will be fine. It's just the fact that you have to get down there and work around there. That that's it's more like how many mini donuts do I have to buy you to wax my bunghole? Because I think it's more of a, a It's more of a pain for you to do than it is for me to feel, so Whatever works. Uh, speaking of bungholes, would you rather a donut tattooed on your chocolate starfish or a chocolate starfish tattooed on your chest? Either or, really. Oh, I mean, I'd, I'd cop the bunghole on my chest. I think it'd be a great party trick, party story to talk about. Yeah, I'll go with that. Uh, what Marvel character would you give to Nick Cage? Uh, obviously, want to aware of Ghost Rider because he's already done Ghost Rider. Not in the MCU, but he has done it. But in terms of outside of that, who could you give... Nick Cage to do in the Marvel universe. Captain America, could that could that work? I'd see Nick Cage as a Captain America. Either that, or make him Hawkeye. Yeah, make him Hawkeye as well. That could also be something good there. Yeah, let's do that. All right, that's all the questions. That's the episode done. Uh, guys, thank you very much for joining me here again on the show. Uh, if you want to find me anywhere, links will be down below. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, anywhere. I am there. Uh, make sure you rate the show five stars. Please like, share, and subscribe to the YouTube video as well. Any traffic really helps me grow this channel. I'm really happy to be back doing this again, um, getting more in-depth into it. Uh, I think it's going to be a really good next part and new season as we roll into things. And really get it done. Uh, if you want to check out my other podcast, it's called Left on the Bench. It's a football slash soccer podcast. Depends what you want to call it. Uh, with my best mate, Jacob. Uh, we just talk about soccer. What happens every week. It's a great podcast. We're just, it's all banter. Uh, and yeah, keep your eyes, people, for the next episode when it comes out. Possibly will, actually will be, Doctor Strange. Multiverse of Manners. Jack is returning. Get excited for that one. So until I see you guys on that one and yeah. then, thanks for joining me here on the live, Thank you.